All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice.
Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, episode 91. My name is Chris Faber, and thank you for joining us here, presented by the great folks at Parallel 49. Joining me now in the studio, it's great to be back in studio after a Canucks game. David Quadrelli, Quads, what's going on? Nothing much, man. I was very impressed last night with what I saw from a few of the Canucks players. Not so impressed with what I saw from some other ones, but we will get into all of it. And we have Craig Button on this episode, which is going to be a ton of fun. That was a really good conversation we had. I'm really excited for people to hear that. Yeah, the the conversation with Craig is almost as good as the artwork that we put out this week huh. uh, from the episode. Totally made that from scratch, by the way, if anybody's wondering. Uh, but yeah, Craig's an absolute pro. Uh, it was pretty fun talking to him about, you know, just even like we talked a lot about return to play with him and what the NHL has been doing in a good way. Also talked some stuff about Pod Colson, uh, talked some stuff about Hooglander. Um, so that was a lot of fun. But yeah, the, the big thing that we got to talk about right now, right off the bat, is the game that we just saw, the exhibition game against... The Winnipeg Jets. So before we continue with that, are you going to change your prediction? You still think the Canucks are going to sweep the Wild? Yep. I, You're I, sticking with it? Yeah. Wow. They don't have Connor Hellebuck. Connor Hellebuck was, was 100%. Unreal, You're totally right. You're totally right. They do not have Connor Hellebuck, and I think... But Minnesota has a better defense, too. But true. you saw... The Canucks need to, like, in the next four days here, they need to dial in their shots. There was the shot yeah. that... You know what? Like, I don't know. There was plays last night. There was a play where Quinn Hughes came in on the left side, and there was so much traffic in front, and Connor Hellebuck couldn't see it at all. And Quinn, like, took a shot that was going to go top corner. And somehow Hellebuck's not even, like, you can't even see his mask, oh. and his glove just comes up and makes the save. And I'm just like, okay, like, he, Hellebuck's unreal. Like, Dude, he's the like, Vesna winner. So, like, a lot of people in Vancouver probably don't watch a ton of Jets games. You know, the Canucks play them a few times. They typically lose, aren't they? Like zero and ten in their last ten. Yeah, I think I heard they scored like two goals in the three games that they played them this year. Yeah, I man, holy cow! And anyways, Connor Hellebuck, good, good Vesna caliber goalie. Like he's last the best goalie night, in the league right now. Yeah, like last night, really, al- that alone. I, you know, Vesna voting's obviously done, but he had performances like that throughout this year. That wasn't out of the ordinary for Connor Hellebuck, which I think is just crazy because I think a lot of Canucks fans got to see what this guy's really all about. Like, you know, like not everybody watches out of market games, but for those of us that do, we kind of knew that that was going to be what we saw. But Hellebuck being dialed in like that, like that was one of the best performances I've seen from him, I think. Like, yeah, okay. the Canucks let's, got some pretty. Let's not talk about Hellebuck much anymore. He was good. Let's talk about the positives that we like from the Vancouver Canucks. What was one of the things right off the bat that stuck out? Ollie Levy. I thought he had a great. That's the first thing you're going to bring up. Yeah, here? he had a great seven. He had a great just seven. Just because you dropped an article seven on minutes. Wednesday about, yeah, check it out. Yeah, Canucks that's Army. why you're bringing up Ollie Levy. Well, hold on, Ollie Levy's not the big story from this game. That's ridiculous. It's not the big story. You asked me what I liked. I'm telling you what and I like. That's liked. the first thing you're bringing up. Yeah, I liked Ollie Levy. You got a problem with that? Take that, it up with Travis Green, who also said, and I quote, I don't have the quote for a seventh defenseman. Yeah, he did. He only played seven minutes. He's not, he didn't even play well enough to be like, oh, he's knocking down the door to the sixth defense spot. Like, I saw people being like, oh, Ali Olevi had such a good game. Like, Vandenberg's going to be out. Here's how I view this situation. Ali Olevi's playing the best hockey we've ever seen from him right now. Vandenberg, on the other hand, isn't. Vandenberg's playing like... Vandenberg had a good game. Exactly, but that's not even his best. Like, he wasn't, like, there's no way that you can go off that one performance from Yulevi last night and say, oh yeah, Fantenberg's in trouble for that 6D spot, which I saw some people doing. And, you know, I, I like Yulevi. I think he's going to be a player. 
I don't think he's going to be a player in this playoff series. If yeah. there's if there's no injuries to the blue line, forget about it. There's no way they play Levy over Fattenberg. Like, People were losing their mind over that one pass that he had off the board. Oh, my gosh. Did you see Mr. Booth's video? No. Oh, it was so funny. I'm going to pull it up while we keep talking. Okay, well, like, oh, that, so funny. That pass was good, right? Like, it was a good pass. Yeah. But, like, Levy has to make that pass. Like, if he if he fluffs that pass with, with the Jets changing, you know, like, the Jets were all changing. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and, like, you have a lot of open ice. You have an open guy. You have to make that pass to be an NHL player. People were losing their mind right off the bat. And then, like, from there, he, that was probably, like, the best play that he had all day. There were some times where he was decent in the corners. I saw, like, even that one rush, I think it was on that same shift, he came up and he and he fired a shot on the goaltender. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. Perfect. So his footworks looked really good, and his ability to get shots on target is really good. And yes. he's, you know, I hate to say it, he might be better at getting shots on target and through the first defender than Alex Edler, who's in the top four right now. And I mean, it's just little things that Oli has to improve on, and I think he's going to do it. I I think he's going to be a player. I I do. I'm. You know, I see there's a lot of people that are really high on him. They're like, oh, this guy's going to knock it. Brian Burke this morning on 650 yeah. said he was going to be an all-star. I don't know about that, but... Yeah, Burke, Berge, like, doubles down, like, five years later. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, we had a, we had him ranked just as high as Matthew Kachuk. It's like, what? Hold on a minute. Like, have you not seen... Matthew Kachuk's a really impactful yeah, NHL player. So you it's like, oh, Ole Elvey might be an all-star. Wasn't Matthew Kachuk an all-star the last two yeah, years? Yeah, he was. Anyways, you go back to that draft, and if the Canucks take Kachuk... Ollie Olevi is likely property of the Calgary Flames right now, as we're talking. Like, if they had them, if they had them ranked like at the same level, and the Canucks picked before them, it was basically going to be whoever the Canucks didn't pick. That was who the Flames were taking. So, I mean, Kachuk falls in their lap, but again, like if Ollie Olevi, like Ollie Olevi's never going to live up to his draft ranking. At least that's my opinion. But if he can become a player, that's a win. At this point. And it's not a win for Jim Benning where people can be like, oh, see, told you. Like, no, that's that's not how it is. You don't take a bottom-pairing defenseman in the top five. But if he can be a bottom-pairing defenseman at this point, that's a win. He's in his, what, I, D4 I think that year? Levy can be a bottom four. That's why I called him last week on the show. I'm going to stick by that. I think he can be a bottom four defenseman. I, I hope think. you're right. And you know what? What we've seen these past, like, three weeks suggests that that's the case. Mm-hmm. He plays, like... Well enough to be in that in that conversation. There I was think. times though, and and last night, like you see this with Yolevi, you saw it at the HL a lot. He he likes to jump into plays, which is good. I think like having a defenseman that's that's the new way of yeah. the NHL. Like you didn't see guys jumping as much as you do nowadays. But Yolevi almost got caught a couple times. So that's what I was going to bring up. He had a couple like bad pinches, and something I noticed a lot at camp, and I'm sure you can I say just the feel same. Like he wasn't getting back fast enough. Like he no, he wasn't. And he kind was of like yes, way when like yes, he, was, he, like, he didn't get caught back. last night. But there was a, yep. there was times where he was really close. Maybe he yep. just you know dogged it just enough to get back in the play. But it seemed like he you know he wasn't like full on getting back to speed. There was times where he was, but I mean there was yeah. a few that just kind of stuck out to me. And I was watching that, and it wasn't like it was the end of a shift for him or anything. That's what concerned me the most. So I was like, uh-oh, is it his knee? But no, it wasn't his knee. Like, you could see him playing fine on it after. It was just, you know, he didn't want to get back. Right? I play I play beer league. I, I know that feeling. You'd want to get back on defense. Anyways, the thing that I really, really thought that Yolevi kind of... The only thing you could say he struggled with was those bad pinches and the aggressive plays like that where he then dogs it and doesn't get back. Like, man, in camp, 
those aggressive plays were paying off every time. And I think that's why he caught, that's partly why he caught the attention of everybody because a puck comes around the boards and there's a forward racing to it. Ollie Olevi's the first man there. And then we just talked about how he can get shots through traffic. All of a sudden, the puck's back deep in the other team's end because Ollie Olevi's already wristed it toward the net. And, you know, like, he doesn't always have to wrist it either. Like, he can find a pass. Like, that's something that he, was a strength of his at camp. And I think, you know, when he did that last night, I think it didn't pay off quite as much, which maybe it's a little concerning because, yeah, it was paying off in scrimmages great, but when you're playing in an actual, well, I guess you'd call this an actual NHL game, and it wasn't even that. Yeah, it's the closest one that only exactly. ever been exactly. into an NHL game. Exactly, and, you know, when you can't pull it off there, then it becomes a bit of a concern, but still, I was I was overall impressed with you, Levy, as was Travis Green, so don't come at me, Chris, but one thing we haven't talked about yet. He had six yet, shifts, though. Like, he had I know, six I know, and Maybe speaking seven. of which, I hate to plug Canucks Army again, but Brett Lee is working on an analysis piece of uh, every shift uh, you'll have you had in that game. You gotta be kidding! Me. No, dude, Brett Lee is a beauty. Yeah, I know he is, but he's gonna break down the seven. Yeah, shit. Oh yeah. Get out of here! You're you're Mr. AHL. You should be loving this. I am loving this. I, well, no, I'm not <laughs> loving this. This is ridiculous. Uh, the, we get, I can't believe the first thing we're talking about is old Yulevi. I know we didn't even talk about for ten, and which Bertanen is gets yeah. sad. Brock Besser has an incredible game, and you want to talk about Yulevi for ten minutes? This is Brock Besser has an incredible game. You thought Brock Besser was incredible last? I thought night? Brock Besser was really good last night. I thought that whole line was really good last. I night. rank incredible higher than really good personally yeah, i think besser was really good as well yeah, i agree with that he was good he was, wasn't incredible I think he was the best forward for the canucks last night i think he was well i mean Patterson was good too Patterson oh, was some of the stuff that Patterson was yeah. doing at the start of the game was getting me i don't know maybe Patterson watched uh, a lot of nate mckinnon earlier in that game but he he had that mode where you know there was times where Patterson looked like he wanted to gain momentum just to get down the ice and try and beat someone and oh he tried gosh. it a few times but you know that's i don't know maybe that's not something i've seen for Pedersen a lot or maybe i keep thinking of like even like watching quinn hughes and watching Pedersen. i'm like were they doing this before you know like, like well, quinn hughes had a pretty good like a really good game actually you see the numbers with tanev and the shot share no tanev shot share was like 17 to 2 like 17 shots on net for Whoa. him when he was on the ice and like two against. Oh my God. Like an 87% shot share. Those deep pairings got in a blender last night okay. though, eh? Yeah, let's talk about, that's what I wanted to talk about because how is Travis Green, there's no way he goes with these on Sunday, right? This is like the, this is a bad move by him. Putting Fantenberg with Myers is the worst defensive pairing that the, that the Canucks had all year. And sure enough, they gave up a goal. Yeah. And it was, didn't, I think Wyatt had the tweet. I, I didn't actually get around to reading the armies yet, but uh, he tweeted out, he's like, Myers, uh, something about Myers sliding away while uh, Fattenberg watches from afar and nature is healing. And it's like, that's just such a perfect summary of yeah. what that pairing brings to the table. The only reason that I think they were doing this last night was to give Alex Edler a break because Alex sure. Edler was the one that Yo Levy was replacing, right? Sure. Like he was in there playing with Troy Stetcher. I don't think they go with this on like they can't go with you know like I'm it's fine watching the Edler Stetcher pair but the pair is better with uh, Tyler Myers and Alex Edler yeah as your second pair yeah Quinn Hughes and Chris Tanev were ridiculous last night their yeah. numbers were absolutely ridiculous they were moving the puck pretty well and even like I don't it seems like Chris Tanev's getting himself into positions where he's getting decent shots on net. You know, like I set up from a lot of people maybe keying in on Quinn Hughes a lot more yeah. than regularly. But 
Chris Tanev, we saw him in camp. We saw a lot of videos of him sniping corners. Like, I think that he's going to get some opportunities to get some decent shots on net. When you go against a, a Connor Hellebuck in a game, you're not going to get a pass. But you go against Staylock or Dubnik, man, if they put Dubnik in net, he's going to get ripped apart. Oh, but my gosh. The Staylock, you know, I watched I watched him the other day. Uh, I watched that full game in the Minnesota Wild. And, uh, and we can talk about that later on a little bit. But I, I'm just – last night I thought the Canucks played a good game. I thought they should have won that game, but when you're playing against the Winnipeg Jets, you're playing against the best goaltender in the league. You you have to. I don't know. It feels like if it was a real playoff game, they'd be in his face trying to piss off Connor Hellebuck. That would be the right move to do. Like get in him, bump yeah. into him, yeah, piss yeah, him yeah. off, get yeah. him off his game. If you're going against the best goalie in the in the league, you got to do that. I wonder if the Wild are going to do that to Jacob Markstrom. You know, I'm going to be interested. They've to see got him. guys like Marcus Foligno who have no problem doing that sort of stuff, right? Foligno, Greenway, they have they have these type of guys. Erickson X is going to be a guy that pisses yep, you off. Yep. Uh, Parise is similar. But, um, yeah, I think that that's the way the Wild might want to approach getting an offensive game going against the Vancouver Canucks. But what I liked from watching the Avalanche play the Wild last night was that the Avalanche at times, when they were able to get, like, gain the zone, which was the hardest part for the Avalanche, but when they were able to gain the zone and get set up with their good players, their top six players, they were they were dominating the play. Like the Canucks at times yesterday, especially in like the first period, were dominating the play against the Winnipeg Jets. I thought the Canucks last night played a pretty complete game. They just didn't have the puck luck. And it'll eventually come. That's the only I- thing that I wouldn't say about complete is they had some bad giveaways. Their yes. giveaways cost them last night some yes. bad giveaways. You know who had worse giveaways? The Jets. But you know who they had in net? Connor Hellebuck. And yeah. he kept bailing them out. And, you know, I was watching that game and I was like, wow, is this how other fans feel when they watch Jacob Markstrom do this for the Canucks? Because there's been many nights where Jacob Markstrom looks exactly like Connor Hellebuck did last yeah, night. Totally. And I, I don't know, man. Like, uh, the giveaways need to be cleaned up, sure. I thought the power play looked like it had been off for four months. Um, you know, I, I thought the Canucks played a pretty pretty good game, though. I think, you know, if if it's not Connor Hellebuck in net, I'll stand by it and say the Canucks put up at least three goals in that game. Like, there were some pretty high-quality chances. Besser missed that one that Hellebuck didn't look like he had any chance on, and Besser missed the net. Uh, that, that was a tough one for sure, but... You know, man, like, you're calling a sweep. I get that. I still don't think they're going to sweep the Wild. But I do, like, I I think they should beat the Wild in this series. Like, you know, I think some... some people are sometimes a little overconfident in what the team's capable of. Like, yeah, you're looking at them. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, like, the people that are like, oh, yeah, this team could go on a cup run. Come on. It's like, they could. You're not wrong about that, but that's a weird hill to die on. Um, yeah, I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah, not not yet, but you'll be there soon. You'll be, yeah. you'll be the front runner of that parade. But, man, I just, I don't know. Like, I looked at the game last night, and there wasn't too many things that stuck out as being like, whoa, they really got to clean that up. Like, other than the Myers-Svantenberg pairing, defense looked pretty good. Um, you know, there was definitely those turnovers, and anytime there was a turnover, Winnipeg made them pay. And that was the really tough part of it for me is Winnipeg's a pretty good team up front and at the at the goaltending position. Their defense is abysmal. It showed last night yeah, numerous sure. times uh, with all the there giveaways. There was a stat that they pulled up that the Minnesota Wild 
or sorry, the Winnipeg Jets gave up the most shots, most goals off of a rush in the NHL. Oh my gosh! You know? And the Canucks like had some decent rushes yesterday. Nothing that really could get past uh, Hellebuck, which I found kind of interesting because I feel like Hellebuck would be good against the rush, but maybe it's like two on ones and odd man rushes, yeah, stuff like that. But yeah, there wasn't a lot that concerned me yesterday. What about um, Brandon Sutter? He concerned me. Yeah. So Brandon Sutter's in this lineup to kill penalties. He's taking penalties. Yep. You know. I'm so that I want okay. So I was thinking about this on the way over here. We you, you don't need Brandon Sutter in the lineup at all. You don't need him at all. As long as you have one for sure center that can kill penalties and Jay Beagle, you really don't need to have two centers killing on two different penalty units because hear me out here like why don't they just use Tanner Pearson and Antoine Ursell as a second power penalty kill unit? Who's gonna take the draw? Why? You don't need to take a draw. Yeah, you do. No, you don't. Jay Beagle goes out for the face off. He kills the first thing, and then they clear the puck. If, oh, and then if there's a you whistle, you, and you can never get back. caught because there's no icing. There's no oh, okay. icing ever, so you never get caught. If there is a whistle, then you put Beagle out, or if Beagle's dead tired, then you put JT Miller out to take okay. the face off. You don't need a you don't your second unit like you're never going to be forced to take. I don't a face hate off. that theory actually. That's 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 so why not? not a so bad then idea. your five on five looks so much better with a Jake Vertanen oh or gosh. a Zach McEwen in that exactly. Lineup. And you know what? McEwen didn't play great last night. I didn't see no, much. He didn't. No, I, I I wasn't impressed. He got laid out too. Got, that was a big. Yeah, hit. he got blown up. I thought he was going to drop the gloves after that. Like that's what he. Yeah, you know, that, that was been... a that was a big hit though. Like Bolio caught him. Like, he caught him, man. Right. And that's the thing. Like, you know, we're not really talking about Jake Vertanen being scratched for some reason, but I think we should. Like, yeah, let's do it. At five on five, man, like, you know, I, I still don't think Travis is going to put Jake in the game one lineup. You know, no. I don't think it's going to happen. But if they if they lose game one, I'm saying that Vertanen's going to be in the game two lineup. And here's the thing. When you look at the makeup of the Jets and you look at the makeup of the Wild, there's not really that one line that really overpowers you. Maybe the Jets have it more so in the Shifley line. Yeah. But is there really a need to play that fourth line as much as they typically would in a regular season game? Because I don't think there is. I think we saw Horvat match up against that Shifley line last night. Like that was where the Horvat line was playing. They got outpowered, sure. No, but they dominated that line. Yeah, but didn't the Shifley line, like, score on them? I think they scored one goal, but they, they like, first half of the game, they didn't have a shot. Yeah, they you're right, you're right. In, the Horvat line actually fared really well against them in the yeah. first half. And they, they controlled, they, they had the puck in the zone for a long time, that line. Did. Yeah. Man, the first half of that game, I thought Besser was going to really score. Controlled the I puck. thought Besser was going to score there. Yeah, I thought so, too. But, yeah, go on. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, the, um, I don't know, like, the makeup of the Wild, I just... You're right. I I don't see a need for Brandon Sutter. I mean, that fourth line looked really slow last night. Um, and I think like I I don't know who to be mad at. I don't know if you should be mad at Travis because he's not playing Jake. I don't know if you should be mad at Jake for having another bad camp. But to me, the people are like, oh, this is Travis just sending a message. He wants Jake firing on all cylinders. Are you kidding me? The five-year pro, you have to bench him once a year and give him a stint in the doghouse to get him going? What does that say about Jake? And really, what does this say about what the Canucks see in him? You know what I mean? Like, how long before Jake's demanding a trade? You know what I mean? Like, if he sits out all these playoffs after being an almost near-20-goal scorer, what does that send to your player? I don't know. It's... Again, I don't know who to be mad at. Arbitration <laughs> is gonna is gonna be very interesting for Jake. 
you know, Jake goes into arbitration and says, I scored 18 goals. I would have been a 20 goal scorer this year. You know, I want $4 million. But you didn't play any playoff games. You did, yeah. Then what does the, the Canucks say? Well, you know what? You weren't good enough to make our, our playoff roster. We're going to give you 1.5. You know, this is, this is an interesting one. Local <laughs> agent, too. Kevin Epp. Kevin Epp. Kevin Epp, fan of Canucks Army, from what I've what I've talked wow. about in the past. He, he reads Canucks Army. So Does he read what we write about his client? Yeah, probably. He wow. probably reads everything that we write about Jake Vertan, and he, he's a fan of Canucks Army, Kevin Epp. Local guy. You'll see him at Giants games, too. And he likes go to us. Giants games. Uh, he didn't say that. Oh, okay. He didn't say that. I've had a couple conversations with him. Good. He didn't say he likes us. Did you tell his client to back check? You know who does like <laughs> us? You know who likes Canucks Army? Who? Canucks agents? Uh, ben Hankinson. Uh, oh, good. Brock, Brock Besser's agent. Nice. Yeah, he's a fan of Canucks Army. I'm a fan uh, of Ben Hankinson now. Yeah, he, he got back to me about uh, some contract stuff a couple years ago. We should just get him on the podcast. He was interested. Whoa, we yeah, got to do that. Yeah, well, I was like, I want to have agents on the show, but I don't like, I don't really know. I feel like I don't know where the conversation would go with agents. Tell, like, us, about the, that, tell uh, us about the Besser deal. People would love to hear that. Yeah, that's true. We can work on that in the future. Okay, like, yeah, yeah, let's talk about that fourth line. And what they're going to have to go up against. Sorry. Fourth line was just slow last night. Like, Tyler Mott looked fine. Tyler I Mott think. looked like Tyler Mott, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what you're Jay getting. Jay Beagle looked him. fine last night. Jay too. Beagle also Jay looked Beagle fine. Jay Beagle skated pretty well. And you know what? You see Jay Beagle getting to work on the boards. That's where he does his best work. And totally. He fine as a fourth line guy. Totally. This but, is the fourth line that they're going to go up against. Yeah. Ryan Donato, Miko Koivu, and Ryan Hartman. That's just who they're going to go up against. So well. You look at the bottom six. Even if they're not going up against that line... The third line that they might go up against, Marcus Molino, Alex Galchenyuk, and Matt Zuccarello. That's that's a that's a strong bottom six. Okay, like watching them actually play was was like, okay, you know, like the fourth line didn't impress me a ton, but that Felino, Galchenyuk, Zuccarello line, they're gonna probably play a lot. That line looks good. That line's gonna match up pretty well against the Godette line um from the Minnesota Wild. So that would worry me a little bit. But I seriously look at the top six of the Wild, and I, I still think the Canucks are going to absolutely dominate these lines. I don't think that this Joel Erickson act, everyone's talking about him being the defensive you know, wonder child, apparently. Well, he's not going to be able to stop Elias Pettersson in that line that they're going to do. It's, it's just not going to happen at all. So um, I'm, I'm very confident in the Canucks in that situation. But the fourth line, you got to, like, dude, the fourth. Jake Vertanen doesn't make sense, but I know Zach McEwen does to me and like yeah. like i mentioned i know that you need four penalty killers well you do have four penalty killers you have tyler mott you have jay beagle and then you have antoine roussel and tanner pearson and like i said you can never ever ever no matter what you do there's no way in hockey that you're gonna be caught out there you can't take an icing call that's the only time you can't make a change you can't get caught out there with no center if you need one for a face-off you put jay beagle out if he's if he's fresh if you know if he's recovered from his he's go out there kills the first penalty every time if he's not if he was on the ice for when the penalty was taken then you start with jt miller but you don't have to play jt miller we saw him play yesterday because brandon sutter was taken out you don't have to put him over the boards you know like when when beagle switches put roussel on for him and let him go and kill penalties instead roussel had a horrible save percentage when the one year that he did kill penalty for the Canucks 70 it was 770 770 yes. save percentage when he was on the ice yeah that's the really tough that's why Travis Green doesn't think he's a penalty killer the goaltenders absolutely let him down <laughs> in the one year that he did kill penalties here he's probably still a fine penalty killer he was a good penalty killer in Dallas 
He's absolutely fine, but his numbers were just absolutely horrible uh, in Vancouver uh, that one year, the first year that he was here. 770 save percentage yeah, from the that's goalies. That's tough. Holy cow. Like, normally sound you like have, my numbers. You're normally under 900 on the penalty kill like for goalies. Like, normally goalies, eight, 880 is a decent one probably. Yeah, it's like average. On the penalty kill because you're facing, yeah, 5 one 4 the whole time, but 770. I, I, I love the idea. You have four penalty killers in your lineup. And then if you know if one of them gets injured, then you use JT Miller in that spot, or one of them you force to take a, a face off, then you send out JT Miller. But you don't have to use him in the second unit. You don't have to use Brandon Sutter in the whole lineup. Brandon Sutter can come in if Jay Beagle gets hurt, you know, because Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle are similar players, very similar players. Putting them together on your fourth line just ruins that line at five on five. It just ruins it. Brandon Sutter had a bad game. Uh, against the Winnipeg Jets there. The Jets outskated the hell out of him. He didn't look good. He's, you know, we're wondering if he's even healthy right now. He Dude. wasn't healthy throughout camp. So yeah. I would like to see Jake Vertanen on that line, you know, and maybe Jake gets going as a fourth-line guy, but I, I would be fine seeing Zach McEwen too. What I'll say is if he play, if he doesn't play in game one of the series, that doesn't mean that he's going to be sat for the whole playoffs. I don't think that's the case. I don't think he's going to be scratched every game. I don't. I think the if I first, were to bet right now, yeah. I don't think we'll see Jake Vertanen in the Minnesota Wild series. Hmm. What if the Canucks lose a game? I know you also think they're going to sweep. Them. I know. I think they're going <laughs> to sweep, but I think if they lose a game, okay, I'm going to say it this way: if if no player gets injured, okay, Jake Vertanen will not play in the Minnesota Wild series. Yeah, like Travis Green won't make a decision to put Jake Vertanen into this series. I don't think, and it's hmm. it, like. How do you, you score 18 goals in the NHL? You score six power play goals. It's hard to believe that you're not going to have that guy in your lineup because I feel like he's going to make an impact on the games. But I, you know, we, we're at this point now that we're not going to see Jake Vertanen. He had an average camp. Other guys around him in a similar position had a better camp. I thought Michael Furlan was fine against the Winnipeg Jets. You know, on Wednesday night. Yeah, I want to talk about Furlan. Like, okay, let's do that. He, Part of the reason Vertanen is not in the lineup is because the Canucks are seeing... They saw it in camp. Furland was letting up on checks, but he was still finishing every check. And he was doing that last night. But he was also not flying around like he normally would. He was finishing checks. He was finishing checks. And you know what he showed to me and I think to the coaching staff as well? I'm sure they saw the same thing. When this guy wants to finish those checks harder... He's going to, but he's being cautious right now because he knows these games and these scrimmages don't matter. But he's going to be ready to go. And he told me. I thought you, I got the best quote out you, of him. Yeah, that was I, a great. I was probably quote. the best quote from Michael Furlan. Yeah, he said, you know, when we get back to playing real games, I'm going to be hitting and I'm going to be hitting hard. That was so funny how you capitalized hard. I was like, did he yell hard at you on the Zoom call? He's just was, like, I'm being hard. I was excited. I, to me, it sounded like he screamed it at me. So <laughs> that's why I tweeted it out that way. But yeah, that was. Um, that was fun. And also, people have been asking. I don't know if people have been asking you, but we're not on the Zoom calls. We're trying to work at it, just so people know. It's going to be... It's a process. It's a very big process. We're not dealing with Canucks anymore. We have to deal with the NHL for people that are Who's, asking. Who's, by the way, the Canucks PR staff absolutely killed it for training camp. And I feel like the NHL PR staff is just absolutely botching this. Like, with yeah. their protocol, like... Well, I think they see that we're to... just a blog, and they don't understand, you know, that the stuff that Canucks Army's done in the past, and why we are actually at Canucks training camp and yeah. stuff, and, but I'm not and even, that's too bad. I'm not even talking about them not giving us access. I don't really care about that. Well, I care, because you need the access, but... That'd be nice. Yeah, sorry. Uh, the, I think they kind of botched it in the sense of, oh yeah, only NHL.com writers allowed in the building, like... We didn't know any line combinations. Like, 
Vancouver radio and the blogs, whatever, all the all the outlets would have been dominated by Jake Vertanen scratched for third day straight on morning skate. Now we don't even know if that was the case, but we can assume. Well, Murph's in there. Don't forget Murph's in there. Too. Yes, but I he, don't know if he's even allowed to no, go practices. He, no, he he yeah, wasn't. He's, he's I don't think. Well, he probably is allowed. He didn't tweet out lines until. No, exactly. Right before the game. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. At. Like, Yeah, and like Batch isn't there either. Batch is in Vancouver. Yeah. They're calling the game from the 650 studios on a yeah. monitor. I saw that. It looked like they were in a broom closet, him and Corey Hirsch last oh night. Oh, my gosh. That that reminds me of the BCIT studios. How hot it would get in there. I was, You know what? We're in this new studio here. It's a hot day out there right now. People yeah. know this. It's been really hot. It's not that bad in here right now. It's no, it's kind of, not. It's BCIT, I couldn't imagine what that place is like in the summer. Thank goodness we're not there. Um, <sighs> but, um, yeah, just kind of wrapping that up. It's it's strange because you have Thomas Drance in Edmonton around the bubble, and they're not letting him in. It's like, okay, you know, how bad is how bad is this that they – well, I don't know. It's hard to, like, say that, like, oh, they should allow him because I saw that baseball player bitching about this. Uh, the other day, he's like, oh, you like passed the test, and the test is ridiculous. But like, you got to lean on the side of like, okay, everything they want to do to keep this oh, safe Moustakis, makes sense. yeah, yeah, the Moustakis hits a bomb in his first at bat, yeah. But um, but yeah, like it's it's strange that tr- that uh, a guy like Thomas Trance, who's going to be nationally covering this, the Western or the yeah, athletic, Western Conference, yeah, the Western Conference, he's going to be the national coverage guy for it. He's he's not able to get in the bubble, but you know what? The NHL has done a great job. No positive tests, so I'm not going to question it too much. It's just too bad that we're not getting that access that we get. Or even like like Winnipeg PR tweets out the lines. Yeah. You know? And then we see Canucks PR tweet out no practice. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Like, Canucks PR is there to inform the reporters um, and inform maybe people what's going on. You know, if they have a practice at UBC, an open practice, that'll be something that Canucks PR tweets out yeah. so people can come watch it. Or most of the time, it's for the reporters. It's for, you know, the Patrick Johnsons, yep, the Jeff yep. Patterson's, the, the Thomas Drances. But they tweet out no practice. It's like, and, who, you're just you're just trolling these guys. I know, but I you're know. You're trolling Drance 100% know, putting that out there like that. And here's the thing. Like, when I say Canucks PR killed it during scrimmage, how you were at the rink, that place was so well run. Like, yeah, it was. one-way entrance for media, one way into the concourse, Find your seat taped off rows so that you're not sitting too close together. Like they had it figured out and the NHL could have done the same thing. Really, they could have. They're, they could have made a separate media gate, a one-way entrance into the concourse, and then exits. They could have done the exact same thing because how many writers were there on the highest day? I think it was like 21 of us or something. Okay, yeah, that was way more than I saw. The most I saw in there was probably like 10. Sorry, it definitely wasn't 21. 21's a lot. Yeah. It had to be like 15. Most anyway, I saw was 10, yeah. Yeah. but you Maybe at a scrimmage 15. Exactly, but think of how big the upper bowl is mm-hmm. at all these rinks, Even right? their practice rinks. Like we saw a picture yeah. of it that the Canucks tweeted out the yeah, other day. Exactly. Lots of room. But yeah, I'm not going to question too much because they're doing a great job. I know. I just think Canucks PR did a great job. And Canucks PR killed it with us too. Like, shout out to them. Um, every interview that I wanted that I was on the call for, they sent to us like, within, they sent to me within like five minutes of me sending them an email. So, That's good. Yeah. Uh, they were very good to us and uh, we appreciate that was there much else that we wanted to talk about from the game like the only other thing i wanted to talk about was was the goaltending matchup obviously connor hellebuck was was unreal jacob markstrom i think is in the conversation for the vesna with connor hellebuck were you let down at all with what you saw from jacob markstrom last night 
Not really. I think he could have. He probably wanted that first one back, but I don't oh, think he got the stick on that first one too when he dove across. He that was just the second got the one. Stick on. Was it the second one? That was the second one. But he yeah, that would have been so cool. Like that would have been on all the social media channels, and he almost got it too, man. Yeah, he got a piece of it. He got a stick on it. Yeah, just couldn't couldn't hold his wrist stiff enough to. No, but I think it, it over. was it something like they had like twenty eight shots or something like that. They get three past him. You know, it doesn't worry me at all. It would have been cool to see Jacob Markstrom steal the game. Like, he's he's looked really good in scrimmages. He's looked really good throughout training camp. Remember when people were worried about him at the start of camp? Actually, yeah. were you were you away during that? Maybe. Lucky you, because there was a lot of people in my mentions and DMs being like, oh, are you worried about Markstrom? I'm like, obviously, I go to the goaltending guru, Kevin Woodley. He's like, no, not at all, because Ian Clark. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. And sure enough, they figure it out, and Markstrom's just fine. You know what I noticed yesterday, too? Uh, Jacob Markstrom went back to his old mask, I think. No, he didn't. Did he? In training camp, he had that big metallic, yeah. glowy Yeah, what he wore last night? Did he? Maybe I just didn't notice, but I, I don't know. I, I thought think so. I, I thought I would have noticed him wearing that, hmm. but uh, I'm not 100% sure. Um, anyways, if he is, I do like that metallic mask. It looked cool in training camp, so... Um, Aside from that, I'm trying to think like the Jake Vertanen situation. You know, this is where I wanted to start talking about Olya Levy 30 minutes into the show because it's not a main story. Um, hmm. But the Jake Vertanen thing, I don't know if he gets in in the wild. I, I I think that he can bring something to the fourth line. And I think putting him in the fourth line where, you know, he's only going to get seven to eight minutes of a five-on-five ice time might be good. Maybe he can just unload in those few minutes that he's on the ice. You know, similar to what we see a Tyler Mott do. But I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we're going to see Jake Vertanen. And now we're, you know, even the fact that we saw Zach McEwen as the 13th forward, is Jake even the 14th forward? Because if Travis Green's going to go with penalty killers, question. Louis Erickson might be the 14th forward. Jake might be the 15th forward on this roster right now. Do you want to hear my hot take? I'd sure. rather see Louis Erickson in the lineup than Brandon Sutter. Yeah. I think Louis Erickson is a better fourth liner than Brandon Sutter. I'll just say that. Yeah, the only thing is like they... And and I've made the argument against this that you don't need two centers killing penalties. You know, well, you have it with JT Miller, like I said. But yeah. you know, Louis Erickson would make a lot of sense to do that too. Louis yeah. Erickson's better penalty killer than Roussel. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll yeah. give you that. But and it, it would make sense to have that happen. But then again, like if I had my two penalty killers as forwards as with Pearson and Erickson, I don't really like those two together just because I feel like they're both kind of slower. Yeah, that's you fair. know. And I don't really like that too much. Pearson's like I like that's why work. I like Tyler Mott and Jay Beagle. Is like and they they did a good job killing penalties last night. Both those guys. Um, that's why I like them together because Tyler Mott's going to be you know the hustle and Jay Beagle's always going to be skating hard even though he's not as quick as Tyler Mott. But they're both going to give you a hundred percent full hustle every time. That's why I really I think that that is is a really good penalty killing duo. You know who I think they're really missing is Josh Levo. And I, yeah. I always tout this guy, but man, like having him on that oh, fourth line you spot. Had, well, oh. not even, like. No, yeah. he wouldn't bump Furland. No. Furland's they're, they're bump, locked in on Furland. He would bump Roussel, and Roussel would probably yep. go to the fourth line. That's a good Tyler point. Yeah, go to right wing. Man, Furland, Gaudette, and Levo. Oh my gosh, that's a line. Yeah, I like that line. Um, there were certain things from Furland that I didn't like last night. What's that? I thought he had really good playmaking in training camp, but I didn't really see much of it last night. There was a couple hmm. times where he made some decent passes, but there was also a couple times where he just kind of moved the puck into open space and nobody was really there. Yeah, he got a shift with Pedersen, which was good to see. Yeah, yeah, he did. And did you notice the the power play shift that Adam Gaudet went out there with the first unit at the end of the 
second period, maybe? Yes. Or first period, yes, maybe? Yes, yes. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Too. Godet looks good, man. I, I think Godet looks good. Godet's like, one-timer looks strong. Is that created right? that goal last night through really good play along the boards. Like, that was hustle. The only the final thing I want to talk about before we uh, get to Craig Button, and then we have some news after that that we're going to get to. Some exciting news, uh, which Very we'll get to at news. the end of this episode. But... The final thing I want to talk about was Brock Basker because I feel like we didn't spend that much time talking about him. Talk about all your levy more. Oh my goodness! Don't <laughs> get me started on this again. But Brock Besser, I thought was was one of the best forwards, if not the best forward on the ice. I thought that the only thing that kept him off was like, remember the confident Brock Besser in his rookie year, where he, oh. every shot he took was just like it was going to find the net. We saw the one, the replay that they showed, where it was like from ice level, and he just completely missed the right side of the net. He had the opening. He could have beaten Hellebuck. He buries that nine out of ten times in his rookie season. I just wonder and, if that confidence, like, yeah. does the confidence maybe show up against Minnesota, though? The fact that he's playing against his hometown team, you know, if that confidence shows up against Minnesota, I just I would be very excited to see the broadcasters because he, he looked really good in camp. Yep. You know, he, he looked like he was one of the stronger players in camp. That's the thing. Like, he looks strong. He looks like... For a long time, I didn't think he was going to fit in with that Horvat line, and that's why I was in the camp of I want Brock Besser to go up and play with the skilled players because Brock's a, a speedy skill player, and Tyler Toffoli's more of a rugged scorer. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I kind of looked at those two guys, but I, I don't know. Maybe maybe Brock Besser's adjusted his game or he's gotten stronger from all that lake house partying on the beach and, and mm-hmm. stuff. Like, maybe he's gotten better at, at being a strong player, and I think that he fits in nice. Horvat, that one play that Horvat, like, was tapping, the, tapping his stick on the ice, and then he split the D, I don't know if I forget if it was I don't think it was on a power play, but he like he was like tapping the ice, wanting a pass really bad, and then they gave it to him and he split the D, went in and he almost scored. Almost, yep. I loved seeing that. Yeah, when you, totally. I think we might see a little bit of that against uh, the Minnesota Wild as well. So. so when we talk about the confidence with Brock Besser, I'd like to say from what I saw last night and all throughout training camp, the confidence is there. I don't yeah. think the confidence is going to be an issue for Besser. I think the finishing ability is going to be what's coming, hopefully, against the Minnesota Wild, because he didn't have it last night, let's no. be honest. But you know what I really liked on Canucks that play? could have been up 2-3-0 totally. in the first period. Totally, you know, And one of them was from Brock Besser. Exactly. And that, the, here's the thing. The confidence, to me, really showed on that play where he did miss the net, but what did he do right before that? He was confident enough to wheel around the D. I think he utilized a little bit of a pick um, and got got right into the slot and had a really good look. But he created that look for himself. And that just reminds me so much of 2017 Besser, 2018, whatever it was. Um, it, it, it just really, really reminded me of, okay, like this guy is a really good hockey player. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... Yeah. Through and through, like he's he's a good hockey player, and he had that confidence last night. I think I think it's going to transfer over to the Minnesota series. I'm not worried about Besser at all. I think the finishing is going to come. The puck luck will come as well. Um, yeah, I, I I thought it was a great game for Besser as well. All right, the final thing I'm going to give one hot take before we get to Craig Button. I think that we'll see Besser on the Pedersen line before we see Vertanen in the lineup. If they start to slump off and can't score, I wonder if they move Brock Besser up and Toffoli back down to Pearson and Horvat. Well, that's before a, we see Vertanen go into the line. Yeah, I yeah yeah. I don't think that's crazy to crazy to fathom. Um, I mean, we haven't seen Toffoli play with that line yet, but we've seen Brock Besser play with that line a yeah. lot, and Toffoli might just be able to slide in. But we'll see. Like, I'm not saying Toffoli's playing bad. I'm just saying if they do start to slump offensively and the top six can't score, it makes a lot of sense to say like, okay, Hor- you know, Besser's look good. 
He's got the chemistry with with Pedersen for sure. He doesn't really have a lot of chemistry with Miller. If you look at like the assists on their goals, mm. Miller and and Besser just don't seem to mix very well. Mm. They hate each other. They both want to be Petey's best friend. To, but uh, well, Toffoli didn't look great last night. Like I thought he looked. He had some chances, like the one where he tried to to fit it in over Hellebuck's shoulder. There, yes. when he had a little bit of space. It, oh, oh man, he buries that. It, yeah. and it's like okay, Toffoli had a good game. You know, like the Fair just a little goal. Like Fair that. enough. I, yeah. I thought he was. He continued the he continued the flow of play really good in the offensive yep. zone. But yeah, he wasn't. He didn't like. He looked really good in his first ten games for the Canucks. Oh, he He did. He was scoring a lot of goals. Yeah, he was very involved in the play. Um, he didn't really have. He didn't score any goals or anything. Yeah, I feel like Toffoli played all right. Yeah, fair enough. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, game one it kicks off, and actually, let's talk about this on the other side of the break. Let's go. We're gonna cut to break, and then we're gonna have Craig Button from TSN. Very good conversation with him, and then we have some news for you guys at the end of this episode. So here is Craig Button, Chris. You're hosting. I'm sorry, I just cut you off, but. I'm just going to throw a break here. All right, guys, before we go any further into the episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to the presenting sponsor of the Canucks conversation. You know what it is. Parallel 49 beer. If you want to go out and try their newest beer, it's called the Tropicool. It is a smoothie sour that looks absolutely delicious. The perfect beer for the summertime. Uh, if you guys want to check out Parallel 49 beer, you can get more information on their social media feeds. That's at Parallel 49 beer. That's at Parallel 49 beer. And, or you can head right down to their location in East Van at 1952. Triumph Street. So go out there and try some of the delicious summer beers that's going to be coming up soon here for Parallel. Support for Canucks Conversation is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. The water-resistant technology on the Lawnmower 3.0, which just launched in Canada, by the way, allows you to groom in the shower. It's perfect. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last you up to 90 minutes and has a USB-mounted charger, so you can show off your perfect tool. For your family jewels, trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CanucksConvo at Manscaped.com. Your balls will. Thank you. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50 before taxes. And Canucks Conversation podcast listeners can save $5 off their order with promo code CanucksConvo. That's all one word, promo code CanucksConvo. You can shop online or at their retail store located in Surrey. Once again, that was Zephyr Epic. You can follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. All right, guys, joining us now from TSN. You know him from the TV station, obviously, all across the board on TSN. Craig Button. Craig, how are you doing today? I'm really well. I mean, hey, it's a Tuesday, and, uh, you know, hockey in in exhibition form is going to return, so... I think there's excitement uh, right across the country uh, to not only watch hockey, but to, you know, really see how it's going to look uh, after this long layoff. Is there any game today that's being played that you're looking forward to watching? Because for me, it's the Battle of Alberta, even if it's an exhibition format. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, right, when we think about exhibition formats and, you know, what what, what particular rivalries, uh, you know, can, uh, can mean. And certainly the Battle of Alberta, you know, it just seems no matter when the game is, whether one team is higher in the standings as opposed to another, or it's an exhibition game, there always seems to be something that uh, you know gets you uh, right into the heat of the heat of the rivalry. And I, I don't think it'll take very long uh, for the teams to find that because, again, they're, they're players that know one another and have competed hard against one another. 
and certainly uh, I, I think we can expect to uh, to see uh, the intensity pick up uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, and I don't. I think you're bang on with saying that uh, across Canada we're excited. I mean, I don't think I've ever been as excited for a Battle of Alberta game, even from that one uh, in the midseason there, where all the the rivalry was really growing. But Craig, we've we've seen some of the other leagues around the world here, especially North America, struggle a little bit to have a return to play. What do you like about what the NHL is doing? Because it seems like we saw zero tests the other day from the recent news that came out. What do you think the NHL is doing that that some other leagues aren't really doing with this and, and containing well, this virus? Yeah, here, here's what I would say, and I, you, you know, I go through three points here with the NHL, and uh, I begin with the, uh, you know, with the prologue, and the prologue is real simple. I, I think that the NHL has done a terrific job of trying to uh, uh, find a way to return to play. So where does that begin? It, it, it begins with number one, uh, the NHL and the NHL Players Association collaborating collaborating on ideas, collaborating on what, what can we do? What does, what does a finish to the season look like? What does playoffs look like? Everything that goes with it. And, you know, there were some ideas that were advanced and advanced even further. There were some ideas that didn't, that were left on the cutting room floor. But, you know, through that collaboration, you know, the, the, the committee that was created with the players and, and, and everybody exchanging those ideas, I, I think it was really, really significant to try to understand, uh, you know, okay, what can work? How do you feel about it? And go from there. Number two, you know, not locking themselves in to a specific locale. And, you know, understanding that the virus, you know, can rear its head at any moment in time mm-hmm. and, 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 can, and can really re, uh, lead to significant, significant complications when you're and, – and I call hockey returning to work. So any type of return to work scenario. So, you know, they, they, they gave themselves lots of flexibility. At the same time, they were, you know, you know, asked teams, are you interested in being a hub city? And then the presentations were made. And by doing that, so they had, they had a really good idea of, of what could be offered in the various cities that, that were interested. And then they could also monitor the virus. And, you know, by giving themselves that flexibility, it led to number three. And number three was, the, and, and not that the medical uh, experts and health uh, officials weren't part of this, but now they became significant. Okay, we have this idea. How do we implement it? Like, what does phase two look like? What does phase three look like? And ultimately, as we're moving into phase four, what does that look like? So, you, you know, the collaboration and the understanding that the health experts and the local officials in the various jurisdictions had a lot of say and needed to have that say in, in creating an environment that, you know, tried to minimize risk to the greatest extent. So when when you put a plan into place and it's really well thought out and you've collaborated with all the significant uh, stakeholders, you, I, I think you end up in a spot where now you can say, okay, the, the great news is about the, the testing in the, during phase three in the last week, zero tests, as you point out. But – the plan has, has really, really been well thought out. And, hey, listen, we still know it's great. Celebrate the zero test. Every day, you have to be on top of it. Every single day, you have to be on top of it. And I think the NHL has shown that uh, from right from the outset when they began talking about a return to play. And now as they've executed the plan, it's been exceptional. And I, I, I think that the NHL uh, is a real, real beacon of light 
for how to do things in, 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 in this type of uh, scenario, you know, without having any playbook prior to it. So the NHL to me, you know, and, and where does this lead in terms of a, of a league that, you know, has an opportunity to finish what they start, has an opportunity to manage, uh, you, you know, the risk that goes with this pandemic? What does it mean growing going forward in terms of growth of hockey and other other companies and, and, and stakeholders that want to be part of a really well-run league? I, I think the potential for the NHL is tremendous. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. Uh, you know, Chris and I are both baseball fans and we're watching what's going yeah. on in the MLB right now. And it's just a stark contrast to what we're seeing in the NHL. But I wanted to ask you kind of about next season. Like, let's say this virus is still around when they try to start in January, let's say. Are they going to be looking at hub cities again, do you think, for the regular season? Or at that point, will they just pause the season? Well, David, it's a really good question. And, 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 and I think that much like where we were at in March and April and May, you know, we tried to speculate and tried to, you, you know, okay, what could it look like? What, would it, what, what, could be, what could be unfolding here? And again, you know, one of the things that the, that the health experts and the pedemologists, the virologists have said, you got to follow the virus. You got to follow the virus. Where is it? We don't know where it's going to be uh, in August. We don't know where it's going to be in September. We don't know where it's going to be in October. So I think the NHL has a plan. I mean, that says we want to start the 2020, 2021 season on December 1st. But I think that, you know, in, in the absence of really significant information, really significant data, about where this virus is and what can and, and, and how it's being managed, how it's not being managed, and what does it mean for a full regular season? Uh, you know, we can't we can't make that determination, and 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 I don't think the NHL should be making that determination. Yeah. You can have a plan, you can have a schedule, you can say here's what our intentions are, but there's a lot of highway that's going to that's going to have to be traveled over the next number of months, and and much to your point. Major League Baseball got down to a 60-game schedule, right? And and that, and that was and then they talked about traveling, right? It, it, it's been an unmitigated disaster. And and David goes back to what I said earlier. Who wants to be associated with unmitigated disasters? Tell me what significant sponsors want to say. Sign me up for being part of a disaster. That would be nobody. Yeah. And so that's where I talk about the opportunity for the NHL. The NHL again. When I talk about being a beacon of light and being a great example, they're not going to go down this path. We all know the importance of return to work, the economic train, get moving, try to get it up to speed. But there's a significant, significant uh, opponent here, and that is COVID-19. So, you know, understanding it, hopefully, as everybody works around the world, the health, of, the, the health experts working on therapies, treatments, hopefully, ultimately, a vaccine. You know, these are all things that you have to take in all the information and then proceed with your next step i mean when you really think about it and you think about the marlins testing like that i mean that was day four day four of the major league season and if anybody thinks that traveling players and teams of, from one city to another isn't going to lead to more of these types of scenarios mm-hmm. I, I i think you may as well just bury your head in the sand and 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 not even realize what's going on in the real world because right now the look for major league baseball is awful yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, it's something almost for what you mentioned earlier, Craig, like we're looking at what the NHL is doing and having so much success. 
Um, you almost want to trust in that a little bit. It's similar to what, you know, British Columbians have done with Bonnie Henry. I mean, everything that Bonnie Henry says now about COVID, we listen to her, right? Even when Vancouver was being talked about as a hub city and she wouldn't bend on certain things, we listened to her. And we, we, you know, we were invested in what Bonnie Henry was saying. And I wonder, you know, I think it's going to be similar to what you mentioned. You know, if they have success here, if they get through this playoffs, I think the idea that they're going to come up with, whether it be in December, January, February, they will have the trust, I think, of hockey fans to say that, okay, maybe we can get back on track for next season. Leaders need to instill uh, belief and trust in in the people, whether you're running a company or a province or a country. You need to do that. Listen, Dr. Barney Henry and and the health uh, ministry and uh, British Columbia, we're talking about, uh, you know, one of the very best, if not the very best in the world. I mean, they are, uh, you know, a leading, leading example of how to do things. And, again, instilling that confidence and saying, here's how we're going to do things. And, you know, the, the NHL, when they were looking at the hub cities, they, they put uh, a couple of conditions that they wanted to, to be able uh, to implement as as a consideration for that uh, particular city, Vancouver, to be uh, a host. And Dr. Bonnie Henry said, no, those conditions don't work for us. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, like, so they move over to Edmonton and Toronto and, and, and you know, significant uh, places where, you know, things have been managed, you know, pretty well for the most part. But, again, Bonnie Henry, and to me, deserves accolades about not only her knowledge, her expertise, how she's managed it, how she's communicated, but also her courage to say, hey, listen, we love hockey. We'd love it to be here, but not under those conditions. And, you know, one of the things, you know, I heard a number of comments uh, by media uh, when that happened, and it said that Vancouver hit a snag. Vancouver never hit a snag. The NHL hit a snag Mm. because Bonnie Henry said, we're not agreeing to these conditions. And that, to me, is not only strength of leadership, it's courage of leadership. And to your point, that's where people gain even greater confidence. And, that, and so just quickly back, David, like if we talk about hub cities, you know, it, if we get to a point in December where, where, where the virus isn't under control and you, you say, hey, listen, we could do this. We could go to Edmonton or Toronto because we just, uh, we just finished what we started, right? So, again, possibilities open up, mm-hmm. but they don't open up if you do not have a really good solid plan that incorporates that incorporates all the expertise of key people in, 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 in the process, how we're going to do it, the security, the leadership, and most importantly, the health experts and officials. And as we kind of move towards British Columbia a little bit, um, Craig, you, you have just teamed up with, uh, with a very well-known guy here in the Vancouver market, J.D. Burke, and you guys are going to be coming out with the Elite Prospects podcast. Um, how did that kind of come together? I'm, I'm really curious to see how you guys linked up. Well, you, well, I mean, what I'll say is this. I mean, you know, when, when I'm going out and you know, watching junior games and amateur games and different tournaments, right, you know, you, you meet a lot of different people that are out there doing exactly the same thing as me and, and, and JD doing work for elite prospects, you know, you're, you're spending time and you're, and you're talking to, to different people. And, you know, the effort that is put forth in trying to, uh, you know, gain what I call knowledge and building a dossier on players, it, you, you know, you have to, you have to put in the time. And, 
certainly you, you continuously go to games and continuously go to tournaments, you start seeing uh, some very familiar faces. So you start talking, you start discussing, you start exchanging ideas. And certainly that was the case with, uh, with JD. And then as, as, as we talked at different points in time about prospects, I mean, Elite Prospects, I think, has a, has a tremendous, tremendous following and a tremendous yeah. website that we tap into all the time. And, it, and it's not just North America, it's worldwide. So, you know, when JD talked about the idea of this, hey, sign me up, I'm in. Like, uh, if that's something that, uh, th- that you're interested in, it's something I'm interested in. Number, and, and most importantly, it's because of JD's dedication and JD's passion for it. And I think what we see in prospects, uh, you know, prospect fo- following prospects around the world, th- th- there is a significant interest in that from all the different countries around the world. And so if, if, if JD and I can collaborate and talk about these prospects and have different voices, give their perspectives on it, you know, we're, we're trying to, uh, you know, give some insight into the, into the players coming up that will be NHL stars, superstars in some cases, but are going to be, uh, you know, really important to individual teams, uh, uh, chances for success. So, you know, it was an easy, it was an easy yes for me to, to, uh, to say that to JD. Absolutely. It's going to be an easy yes for me to subscribe because we've heard all of your uh, radio hits on Rinkwide. I don't think there was a better <laughs> guest out there, uh, Craig. Well, thank you very much for that. I, you know, like, I, I know this. I know there's lots of different perspectives and lots of different, uh, uh, you know, how you look at different prospects, but I have great respect for the people that do the work and great respect for the people that say, hey, here's here, here's how I rank the players. Here's my thoughts on it, and put it out there publicly. You know, not only just to uh, uh, you know for people to see, but also for people to debate and disagree with. It's all good. I say this all the time. I, I, I learn as much uh, from the from the fan bases and from the different people that are putting together prospect rankings because you know when when you know the people that are putting in the work, you don't have to agree with everything. But you can certainly learn from different things. Oh, okay, I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Or, geez, that, I, I might, have, I better go back and watch that. I never noticed that about that player. Very, very valuable for me. On the topic of prospects, the two that Canucks fans really want to hear your opinion on are Nils Hoglander and Vasily Podkolzin. Who do you want me to start with? Start with Hoglander. Okay, so he, he, Nils is such a such a dynamic skater. And, and the foundation of his game is that skating. I mean, he's quick, he's fast, he's agile, he's powerful. And I mean, when you think about how, how, how the game is played and the speed at which it's played at, I mean, I mean, there's so many different things that Nils can do with that skating. I mean, he, he's able to be disruptive and create turnovers. He's able to quickly back off defenders. He, he, he forces mistakes because he closes not only time on you, but he closes off space on you. And, those are significant areas of his game. Now you, not, not, or a significant area of his game. Now you go to the second part. Highly, highly competitive. Very, very intense mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, of his effort. He, he wants to be a difference maker in the game in some way, shape, or form. And number three, you know, I think that Nils really understands his game. I, I don't think he's going to be a huge offensive point producer, but I think he's going to be a really valuable player to other players on your team that, that creates offense, that creates opportunities, that keeps opponents off balance. And he's, he's going to get points. Don't get me wrong here. He's not going to be a zero-sum player. He's going to be a real positive player because 
to play with good players, you have to be able to add something to their game. And I, he, he's not only he's not only quick enough and fast enough and competitive enough. He's also smart enough to know what he can do and also how he can help others. And to me, those types of players, they're not very – people may think that they're uh, plentiful or common. They aren't. And I think Nils has unique qualities to be able to, to really help a team be successful and the players that he's playing with be successful. And one other thing else I love about Nils, he's confident. He's a confident player. He loves – doing things in the game and trying things in the game, as we've seen with some of his uh, lacrosse-style goals. But you got to love the, how bold he is. Wanda yeah. Vasily Podkolzin. Yeah. Vasily's that engine. He's an engine player. I call him the guy that just revs at high, high RPM. There is not an area of the game that Vasily is not going to get invested in. Penalty killing, power play, front of the net, boards play. You know, trying to trying to take the puck and trying to make a play at critical points in the game, trying to ensure that defensively he's not giving up on any type of play. The next time I see Vasily Podkolzin give up on a play will be the first time. And I've watched <laughs> him play for a lot of years now. And, you know, I think that he's, I think he's got exceptional hockey sense. And, you know, it, it, his skill level is, is, is pretty good, really good. But if it was a little bit better – We'd be talking about what I believe is a superstar. Mm. But when you when you consider Vasily, and players are going to love playing with him because he, he's that player that just understands everything in the game. Coaches are going to love playing, having him on, on their team. And opponents are going to hate playing against him because there is, there is just no, uh, what I would call, downshifting in his game. Everything is done at a high, high level of intensity, a high level of pace. And he, 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 he like Nils Hoaglander, are real difference makers. Now, let me just carry this through for a second here. I, I, I've been on record as saying I think the Vancouver Canucks could very well be the next Canadian team to win a Stanley Cup. So why do I say that? Well, and I think the Jacob Markstrom negotiations are going to be significant for, for them to do because I think Jacob Markstrom's a clear-cut Number one goaltender, I think he's shown that. Yeah. You got Quinn Hughes, a number one defenseman. Elias Pettersson, a superstar. You know, you look at what JT Miller has done for the team. You know, obviously Bo Horvat, Brock Besser. But now you add players like, and Adam Gadet has been a really good player. Now you add players like Todd Colson and Nils Hoaglander who support that group. They add different elements that give you a real balance throughout your lineup. Cole Lynn took some big steps this year. It looks like only you, Alevi, and Brogan Rafferty are taking steps. So you start putting this all together, not just about having players. You need good players. But when you have stars and superstars and catalyst players and players that are committed to, to doing all the things that are necessary to help a team win, I think the Vancouver Canucks are loaded. Yeah, and I think you're on the right podcast to say that because I think we we've been you know looking at these prospects and looking at them develop over the year, and it's been it's been a lot of fun. And specifically with the two ones that we're seeing overseas right now uh, in Pod Colson and Huglander, we just heard that Huglander signed uh, a two month loan with Rogla over there, and um, you know we might even see him next year for the Vancouver Canucks. In similar situation with Vasily Pod Colson, who after his KHL season's over, he's open to come over here to North America as well. Do you think that that's a possibility that in the next year we'll see Huglander or Pod Colson in a Canucks jersey? Well, I think the idea is, is Huglander, you know, when he signed, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, with the uh, contracts that the players signed, 
you know, players like Nils Holglander who have played at a high level in the Swedish Hockey League, you know, they have the they have the reassignment clause. So if they don't make the NHL, you know, they can sit uh, and talk with the team about is it better for them to go back to the Swedish League or is it better for them to go to the American Hockey League? And we see these types of reassignment clauses in, in entry-level contracts. And I think they're important because it gives teams flexibility, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's important. But but I think the idea has always been to have Nils Hoaglander come and compete for a spot with the Vancouver Canucks. And I, I, I don't have any question that he can do that. Now, Vasily, Vasily's a, a, a year younger than Nils. So, you know, when I look at Vasily, I mean, he's going to be the captain of the, of, of the Russia World Junior Team. And, yeah. you know... You know, he played in the KHL this previous year. You know, I think another year for him to play at the international level, be a real key player and leader on, on the Russian junior team, you know, get more experience and, and, and take his game to a higher level in the KHL. I, I think that at 20 years of age, now Vasily can come in and have all these platforms where he's had success and good, solid experiences that haven't pushed him uh, too far ahead without uh, going through them, which ultimately not only helps him be the best player possible, it helps the Vancouver Canucks integrate a player that's going to be ready to come in and contribute. Absolutely. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on, Craig. I think we'll have to let you go now. Uh, I'm going to finish with a yes or no question. Will Vasily Podkolzin be the best player at the World Juniors next year? Wow, that's a that's a that's a great question. Let, let me put it this way: the World Junior Tournament is, a, you know, we see so many good players. I mean, it's a best on best tournament. I mean, it will be his third World Junior Tournament. Yeah. So here, so here's 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 all of it. He will be an All Star. He will be one of the three forwards on the All Star team, right? And I, I think that when you look at that, that gives him an opportunity to go at the tournament and ultimately emerge as potentially the best player. Just, I mean, but think about Alexi Lafreniere. Mm-hmm. I had no doubt that Alexi Lafreniere was going to come in and be one of the best forwards. Well, he took it to a whole other level. He was the best forward. Vasily absolutely has that uh, capability, but I'll, I'll say right now, he'll be one of the three all-stars. May very well be the best player in the tournament. Awesome, Craig. We appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck. Enjoy some live hockey tonight. I'm sure you will, and uh, we're excited to get going this weekend with some actual yeah. play in hockey. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you guys enjoy it too and look forward to joining you again in the near future. Absolutely, Craig. Have a good rest of the week. Thank you. And a big shout out to Craig Button of TSN. Uh, We're very excited for the uh, Elite Prospects podcast as well with J.D. Burke. Our buddy J.D. Burke. Our buddy J.D. Burke who loved our artwork, by the way. Yeah, and you know, people like to see me with the bolo tie. That was hilarious. It's something that I, everybody knows, uh, I'm a big bolo toe guy. When I think Chris Faber... I think Bolo Tie. Yeah, when you think Bolo Tie, you think Chris Favor. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so thanks to Craig. That was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, Craig's Craig's a beauty. Oh, like hundred percent. Craig just like I I want to get to that point one day where I can do my hits. Uh, you know, when I go on a podcast or go on radio, like the way that Craig does is incredible. He gives it in oh. three segments. He's like first, second, third on everything. <laughs> what a beauty. Brings this. Yeah, Craig's awesome. Uh, nicest guy too. He, and he said he wants to come on more. Is I what know. he said after we finished recording. wonderful. Uh, so yeah, we'll see about that. But we do have a fun guest next week as well. We do. And we, we learned not to announce guests until the interviews are done. Yes. So we won't do that. But yes. we did we, on the Patreon. Yes, we Patreon did on the Patreon. Patreon people always know yeah. who we're working on. So Patreon, yeah. 
yeah, guys, uh, you know who's coming on next week then because he's yep. not on this week's episode. Yep. Um, but yeah, aside from that, we have some other fun news as well. Yeah, we're going back to two episodes a week. The last yes. time we tried this, a global pandemic happened. So let's hope <laughs> that uh, we're not the reason and we're not bad luck uh, for the NHL. Yeah, because we can't I- have another global pandemic, can we? No, but the NHL could get shut down again, just like it did when we last tried to go two episodes a week. So we'll see what happens. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun because we're going to go back to two episodes. Yeah, we're going to have a game to break down, you know, after Tuesday. What we're going to do for you guys, we're going to release it on Wednesdays. So we're going to have Wednesdays and Saturdays for the regular show, and then either Tuesdays or Wednesdays for the Patreon episodes for you guys. Because we know the Patreon people, they still deserve uh, to get a bonus episode of us uh, behind the scenes stuff. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. The last couple of Patreons have been a lot oh, of fun. Oh, yeah. The too. Patreon subscribers are growing, which is really good to see. They're loving the content we're making, which is also really good to see. Might have to have another golf tournament, man. Yeah, we can go play golf here pretty soon. Yeah. That was kind of fun. But, I went uh, to the range yesterday. Okay, you have to leave. Let's not Let's not get yeah, into no, this. Yeah, no, I'm uh, <laughs> heading back to the island. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. We dropped it a little different. I don't know if we're going to move around the schedule too much. Uh, with playoff games and such like that, but we don't really want to be caught off guard. We're going to go back to the Saturdays. Um, I've got a big family gathering. Uh, not a big family gathering. That sounds bad in COVID times. Uh, a big, you know, a barbecue with about 10 people from my 51 family. 51 people. Yeah, 50, 56 people, 56 <laughs> favors in one room. That, no, that wouldn't go over good. Um, but no, that we, we got a, a little family gathering on the island this weekend. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to head back for that. Um, and yeah, so that's why we're releasing this on Friday. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed Craig Button. Um, hopefully you guys will enjoy two episodes a week. Yeah, I'm learning how to do the soundboard. Uh, and <laughs> oh hopefully uh, you guys will tune in next week. Not even next week. Tune in on Wednesday for our next episode of the Canucks Conversation. We're going to be able to wrap up two of the games against the Wild. And I will see you guys on Wednesday because the Canucks are going to be up 2-0 at that point. They're going to be on the verge of a sweep of the Minnesota Wild. You heard it here first. And that wraps it up. For David Quadrelli, for Chris Faber, you have been listening to the Canucks Conversation. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.